All right, people, welcome to the Bizzles Quickie and Non-Spoiler Review for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. We've all been waiting for it. I'm releasing this on the evening of Friday, December 18th. I was not scheduled to see the movie until Monday the 21st with my dad, but I got his permission to see it early because I just couldn't wait anymore. So I went by myself this afternoon. I had the afternoon off. It was perfect timing. Had the theater to myself. I actually wish it was full. I'm excited to see it with a full audience. And, you know, I've been off of any kind of major spoiler or even reviews um, or previews, I should say, of this, this project, this beast, this behemoth of corporate filmmaking, I was able to tune out a lot of spoilers, and I know that a lot of people on the internet went way out of their way, especially the super fans. I think things are coming full circle. We used to want to see every clip and know everything before we got there. Now we realize that it's just ruining it for everyone, including ourselves. So I give props to Disney for not giving us very much uh, ahead of time, so live it would be new when I got there. And if I had to sum up uh, my feelings from my first viewing of The Force Awakens in one word, well, okay, two words, it would have to be rock solid. It is an extremely solid movie. Abrams knows what he's doing. It's beautifully shot. The casting is completely on point. And while John Boyega is fantastic and really funny and lovable and has great relationships with a number of different characters, it's really about Daisy Ridley. I mean, this is a direct parallel of Luke Skywalker in A New Hope in 1977 in terms of her not knowing her heritage or what she's capable of and so forth. So basically everything you saw in the trailer other than like Boyega with the lightsaber happens very early in the movie. Uh, And they did that on purpose because they wanted the second two thirds to be mostly unspoiled. And, you know, the biggest complaint I have for the movie is that it's too close to the originals. You know, I mean, it was meant to feel way more like the originals than the prequels, obviously, and it definitely achieved that. But, you know, it didn't shy away from Star Wars cliches. And I was cool with that going in. But there was almost a few too many um, that were on the nose for me that were like, duh, ones, if you're a nerd, but if you're not a nerd, you don't know what they're talking about. No big deal. They've got Harrison Ford holding it down. Uh, I'm not going to say much about Harrison Ford other than he was in way more of the movie than I thought, and it made complete sense once the movie started moving that that would be the case. And Ford absolutely kills it. But like I said, John Boyega, amazing. Daisy Ridley steals the movie. This young British actress who, if she's even half as nice and sweet as she seems online, um, you know, it just seems like a, a total sweetheart. I have to think that Carrie Fisher um, and other um, younger but still veteran actresses are helping Daisy, you know, work through this level of fame and how quickly it's become. But because of social media, she knew what to expect way more than Carrie Fisher in 77. She's from this generation, and she seems to be handling it not just fine, but with a performance in a science fiction movie. Yes, it's Star Wars, but her performance, while not Oscar-worthy because of the writing... 
she's going to get there. I, I think she's heading in like Alicia Vikander direction for young actresses where she can do these epic or crazy sci-fi movies uh, and then do you know Academy Award level work as well. We shall see. So happy to have a, a female lead in Star Wars. I mean, Princess Leia was obviously one of the three leads in the original Star Wars and, you know, stole large parts of each of those movies because Carrie Fisher's brilliant. But, you know, this movie's all about Rey. And I didn't end up releasing a lot of my Star Wars stuff, mostly commentaries of both prequels and originals. Um, I just didn't end up doing it. There's so much Star Wars stuff out there. I did have a couple conversations on various Bizzle casts involving Star Wars over the past month or two. And so you're going to have to take my word on this one. And when I do release a spoiler podcast next week or whenever, <laughs> I will take credit for things. And again, you'll have to just buy that I you know, talk to people or post online or whatever about these specific thoughts. Many of them came true in the movie. A couple went in completely different directions, which was awesome. But knowing Star Wars, knowing how films are made and how it works... Having seen all the trailers numerous times, having read some, but not too much leading up to it, I do listen to Star Wars podcasts. That's where I got most of my pseudo-spoiler stuff. But for the most part, I I was able to keep myself in the dark. But I made a lot of correct predictions about not necessarily the direct uh, plot, but character arcs for sure, themes... Um, and definitely the aesthetics. The thing is, I love JJ's aesthetic, but I, you just know it's him. And so you're watching it, and he's beautiful. But, you, you know, after a while, it, it, you start to realize that um, he's following certain rules the way Lucas did. And you have to do that with Star Wars. You know, I, JJ was probably tempted to go even more crazy than he did. He kept the filmmaking pretty straightforward. And I talk about how, you know, with Joss Whedon, with the Avengers movies, he needed to have a pretty static camera um, because it was a huge cast and a big Hollywood movie. You can't be shaking the camera all over the place. And when they did move the camera, it was for like an extended bit of like making it go upside down or whatever. But for the most part, it's just a standard framing. But you watch Serenity, the Firefly movie um, by Joss Whedon in 2005, seven years before the first Avengers movie, and he's shaking the camera all over the place. He's moving things like crazy inside and outside of the ship and, uh, you know, is able to sell a space battle that looks like a $200 million space battle, uh, you know, only at $35 million to work with. Uh, that's what you could do with a shaky cam. And just so JJ was kind of restrained on that. And I'm cool with it. I, I would have gone edgier, but that's why they're hiring other younger directors to direct the other movies. They wanted a veteran like JJ to, you know, <laughs> move the ball far enough to hit some other balls and see if uh, if those writers and directors and actors can nail it on both the, you know, quote-unquote standalone movies on uh, the next three years, and then, of course, Episode 8, Episode 9. If anything, J.J. was asked to set up too much, you know, by... <laughs> You know, by the very end, it's two hours and 15 minutes, and the credits start rolling. It's not a short movie for a family PG-13 movie. And, and let me say, uh, on that topic really quickly, this was definitely on the you know low-blood uh, level, for sure, of PG-13. They did kill people, but it wasn't gruesome ever. 
And, you know, if you've seen J.J.'s other works, especially especially his Star Trek movies, uh, you know, he'll kill a lot more people. But that's for a more adult audience, more limited audience. That's the whole point of Star Wars. So J.J. did a good job. Uh, the script was good, not great. Not that there was anything wrong with it. Um, it, it tried to be quippy in sort of a Whedon-esque way. Um, and... To get back to what I was saying before with predictions, there's only one prediction that I made, and this one is out there, that I thought came true, and I wasn't surprised by it, and so it didn't bother me, which is that in my uh, Star Trek commentary um, from 2009, the reboot by J.J. Abrams, which has gotten a ton of hits online. Thank you, people out there, for supporting me. Um, People love the Star Trek commentary. Uh, And uh, that might be my favorite that I've done, too. Um, So that was very satisfying that people are into it. Anyways, I'm talking about Star Wars while doing the commentary for Star Trek. And I I said, you know, Star Wars is going to look great, I'm not sure about sort of the narrative oomph, if J.J. has that, the way that Joss does. And it really didn't. It did not have the narrative oomph. And it didn't matter because the 95% of other things it did well, you know, completely outweigh it. But, you know, it it doesn't have to do with the plot. People think writing is just you you write dialogue and then you write plot bits. But, you know, it's, it's what's between those two that's most important with the writing, which is fleshing out the logical progression of the story and how complex it will be and they made this very non-complex it's very simplistic because it was done smartly and was funny it wasn't insulting even to a movie snob like me even a little bit and it's star wars so you give them leeway right no big deal the actors kill on the lines that they have and uh, <laughs> how you want to count? It depends if you want to count BB-8, which is a soccer brother droid that everyone knows. But you know, again, mirroring the original, Luke loved R2 and vice versa. And this is certainly a case where BB-8, for a number of reasons, ends up with uh, with Ray, played by Daisy Ridley. And the two of them just totally connect uh, by necessity at first, which is a hallmark of Star Wars. But you know, that it becomes a very tender relationship, just like R2 is with Luke and, and the rest of the crew. So the whole first part of the movie takes place on Jakku, which we thought was just another desert planet, and we were wondering why they didn't just use Tatooine. Turns out it's just a desert on a planet, and, and so that was a cool twist or whatever. That's where Daisy Ridley is barely scraping by as a junker. And she meets Finn and BB-8, and the whole mission gets started. But those three, you know, it's almost like their child. I mean, Finn and Boyega, you could tell from the trailer, had instant chemistry. And they had excellent chemistry in this movie, just as as friends and teammates, uh, for sure. And so, uh, immediately sets the tone, very reminiscent of the humor in Star Trek, which I love. It's quippy, but it's sort of you know, like a chuckle kind of quip. Uh, there were no belly laughs. Maybe it was just the audience. I'll have to see it with a bigger audience. It's not that kind of movie. It's very fun, but it's not super funny, I guess. But at the same time, you know, the the misadventures, which keep going wronger and wronger and wronger, themselves are hilarious and entertaining. And you got to go see the movie. And like I said, my biggest complaint about this movie is just that I wasn't surprised by very much. But, you know, I mean... Even avoiding spoilers, if you just know a property too well and you just see enough pieces of information, 
you know? I mean, you just kind of put it together. I do think this movie will be better on rewatching, and I'm very optimistic that this will become, you know, one of the more rewatchable epic movies, as it should be, because it's Star Wars. I'm seeing it with my dad on Monday. I'm seeing it with my mom and fam- rest of family the next couple weeks. We'll figure it out, maybe get an IMAX going. Oh, yeah, side note, I don't, I don't do 3D. So if you're into 3D, you know, you'll have to add that into the review because I, I never do 3D. But this movie brilliantly sets up the, you know, quote-unquote new or rebooted Star Wars universe. And I just want to end, uh, I did mention Han Solo. I like to end my podcast, even my short ones, or shorter ones, talking about something very personal to me in the movie. And that, for me, is Carrie Fisher because... You know, as I've talked about in past podcasts, as great as the sort of new crop of female badass characters like Zoe Saldana and Scarlett Johansson and so forth, and even others from the 80s like Sigourney Weaver and Alien and Aliens and uh, Linda Hamilton and the Terminator movies, no one has been better than Princess Leia in the original trilogy. Because not only is she like their best fighter, but she's a queen, she's a general, she's running the like political, economic, and military operations, the head of the diplomatic corps, she's the spiritual leader. I mean, they keep calling her princess, even though she has no home, because she's just has that level of gravitas, this young, you know, beautiful little woman. And they certainly channeled that for Ray. And I ha- I'm very excited to hear that I hope that Ray and Carrie got close, because Carrie's been through so much, but is a great soul and great actress, and again, I was expecting this to be the case, or I was hoping to, in this particular case, which is that they seem to be hiding Carrie Fisher in the trailers, and I was, you know, nervous that she was not going to really have any screen time or importance, which really it would be a bigger travesty than Luke or Han for me, because, you know, Princess Leia so ahead of her time as an empowered female character, to say the least. And, you know, we're not really back there yet. Uh, Ray is certainly the inheritor. I mean, Ray, Ray's not at Scarlet Zoe level yet, and just in terms of experience and acting, but she has that badassness, um, but super intelligence that Princess Leia had, and I was worried about no Carrie Fisher. And then I saw a few things, and I just sort of pieced together in my head, is that, all right, I, they're not showing her um, because she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but I also think they're not showing her because she has a very important role, like mid-late end of movie. This was my, my, my predictions. And indeed, she does. Not a lot of screen time, but is still Princess Leia. This is not a spoiler. She's still the general. They're still fighting. She's still in charge. Uh, and she has amazing scenes with a number of characters and just running the operation. Gave me chills. Love Carrie Fisher, you know, I I wish she would just do like a quirky comedy where she kind of makes fun of herself. She has done that on stage actually numerous times, so God bless her, God bless the cast. You know, I'll have to wait to talk about Adam Driver and and uh, Dumbhall Gleason et al. Um, for the spoiler podcast, but I hope you enjoyed this. Go see Star Wars, come back, we'll talk some more about it, have some more podcasts, and I am out.